What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 22nd draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA bud, Eric Marchand. Hey, Matt. How are you? Good, man. How about you? I'm uh, still feeling the heat from those Takis uh, chips. Yeah, Takis are delicious, man. We just had some spicy chili lime Takis, which I had to put away because we would be crunching this whole episode. Um, not a sponsor, although no. if they want to, by all means. <laughs> we want to sell out as soon as possible. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's Tuesday. It's uh, the beginning still of a new week, so to speak, and um, it feels like we're kind of busy this week. Yeah, um, a lot screenings of screenings. And, yeah, I've uh, you've been going to more than I have, but yeah, uh, I saw three then, movies yesterday. Yeah, and I mean, I'll see three screenings this week, which is pretty busy for me. But um, yeah, we'll be able to talk about those soon yeah um, some of them are still under embargo yeah i think i can say i saw highwaymen but i can't i gotta hold my review till next week um but yeah we have some good stuff this week it's 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 been busy but daylight savings time is a little lighter a little brighter longer in the day which is nice yeah um pros and cons to that because i i hate watching movies when it's light out still because i get glare on the tv and stuff right um so now I have to wait a little bit longer. So I can't start a movie at 5 p.m. I have to wait till like 7.30 or something now. But um, first world problems, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that daylight savings time should be just... The norm? Uh, like, why? Yeah, like, why do we have to keep going back and forth? And, yeah. It, Welcome to the time podcast. Right. Uh, other we keep than, slipping into the future. Yeah. Time keeps on slipping. Um... I forget what I was going to say. What's the intro to this show? We Okay, so for those of you, we were off for a month, and then we came back last week, and now I forget how to do this. Uh, if you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each and every week, Eric and I get together, shoot the shit about movies, talk about our lives, talk about what we've been watching and what's going on in uh, Hollywood right now. Uh, if you like this, we do another podcast called Untitled Movie Reviews, um, which you can also get each and every week, where Eric and I get together and review movies, whether it's a new movie coming to theaters, something that's recently been released or something that's uh, going to be on Netflix or a streaming platform. And I think we uh, should soon. call that segment now, if it's something that's streaming, Suck It Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> tweeted that yesterday because my top two films of the year are Netflix movies so far. But uh, we recently put up a review of Captain Marvel, uh, which you guys can check out. That's 35 minutes of Eric and I uh, chatting about that. I have an update on that too, which we'll talk about on uh, what we've been watching. Because um, uh, I did, we both saw Captain Marvel again, so maybe our... Yeah, Yes, and, and with uh, your your friend uh, Derek Malcolm. Yeah, Derek is a good dude. He came along. And then um, also we have a review of Triple Frontier for you guys to go check out too, which is going to be released on Netflix on uh, March 13th, which is uh, tomorrow as of this recording. Um, but we got to see it in a theater, which is really cool. So go check out our opinions on that. Uh, other than that, man, what have you been watching? We saw Captain Marvel. We can start we there if we you did. want. I mean, yeah, I mean, the second time around, like a lot of these movies um it's still enjoyable for what it is but you really do see the mechanics of uh the script especially yeah uh script is very clunky and and, yeah and 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 it kind of feels like you can you're you're counting down or waiting until the big moments and there's not a lot of 
major set pieces within Captain Marvel. Yeah, I was talking about um, that with the Derek records as well. room was like one of the biggest moments in the movie in terms of like a set piece with the lights turning on and off and people wandering through the aisles. But um, other than that, like you know, you and have then the your... final kind of dog fighting sequence, and then her yeah, which kind of reminds you of Star Wars. It does like the, the canyon stuff yeah. when they're going in and around. It it looks a lot like, but it's uh, also very done very quickly. The Force right? Awakens, yeah, um, and I. I I get that it does feel like a phase one Marvel movie in the sense where it's building this character and we kind of have to learn about her and where she comes from and what her powers are and things like that. But it, I, I'm with you where I did notice its faults a little more the second time and it being so close since we saw the first one. We did see the IMAX version, which looked great. Looked um, a lot better than the uh, press The screening. lighting is still messed up in the movie that in a lot of Marvel movies, as some people have pointed out online. Um, but you know what? I... I always tend that like I I enjoy I, when I did the MCU in review when I rewatched them one after another I I ended up liking a lot of them more that time around than I did even in theaters because I think that fatigue went away and my expectations right. were lowered and I kind of went But you in. also had some distance and, and at that point, distance right? Distance and your I was more invested as well because I was watching it almost like I was binging a TV series or something. But that's like kind that of what too. they are. Not yeah. not that I'm saying that's a bad thing in terms no, of the I, film, but like you look at what you know Kevin Feige has kind of created I mean it's it's television on the big screen and 100% this is world building that connects everything and and it feels like you know you're going from one season or episode to the next with every new edition and that's kind of how they've hooked everybody to keep coming back yeah I completely agree so that's why I think I got a a little bit more from a lot of them that time when I watched them without those two year gaps or year gaps in between them. And then um, I think maybe the same will happen with this, where if I have a little bit of a distance and I see it once I do a rewatch in between Endgame and, and Infinity War, um, then maybe I'll, I'll get more out of it again. But right. I'm still teetering. I really enjoy the movie still. And I think even even decent marvel is still a good time and right um, minor marvel yeah minor marvel yeah but and, i will say this spider-man homecoming gets better and oh, yeah, better on totally. each viewing like yeah. I, I like it even more well and i mean i i agree with um tim gettys tweeted yesterday who does the mc review for uh, mcu and review for kind of funny that i followed along with last year and they're doing their captain marvel episode actually as we speak right now they're recording as well which i'll watch later but uh he tweeted out yesterday being like uh, everyone sort of agrees on that, like top tier, middle tier, and bottom tier of Marvel, even though they're mostly like rearranged. Although I think there are some divisive ones in there because I tweeted at him yesterday, being like, I think some people have like a wild card in there because I know me and you really love Iron Man three. That's my number one. Um, which is your number one? It's yeah. my number four, or something like that. Um, so that's one where they have on their list very low because a lot of those guys didn't like that movie. But then that's something that well, then they don't like Lethal uh, Weapon or no, they do. Though. Like a well, lot that, of but that's do, the thing. That's like, what it is. I know, but when in the context of Marvel, it might not work for some people, right? right? But for us, it really did. And, and Iron Man three is in my top five, where some people it's in their bottom five, right? Right. So um, it's just interesting. But you get that top tier, which is like the Homecomings, the uh, the Ragnaroks, you know, Guardians. The Guardians is up there too in that top. 10 probably and yeah. then and, and then, then civil get... war for some people is monumental in yes, i of, love civil war as well uh, as i mean it's and... it's a i think civil war is a i'm kind of mixed on it but i do think it is a better movie than uh avengers age of ultron which i kind yeah. of feel is like one of the it's lower in the tier bottom movies. tier with the i i think the first two thor movies incredible hulk <sighs> um God. uh you know i would even put and shot then, in toronto though yeah and then you got the mid-tier which is your ant-mans and your uh your doctor strange and i think your yeah the your, ones that are that are uh, fine Marvel. but are also kind of forgettable and 
like when you go back to them, you remember like, oh, this is the introduction of this character or them setting up this particular arc. But when you're watching it um, for the first time and and you see something like Doctor Strange, like I enjoyed it, but I haven't Same. revisited it since. Yeah, I, and even in my rewatch, I didn't enjoy it as much, right? Like when I did the, I guess maybe some of the ones that were very close in memory, I didn't enjoy as much as the ones that I saw once in theater five five years ago, and then I was finally revisiting them. And then like Age of Ultron was the one where it's still in that bottom of the mid tier or top of the bottom tier right um where i Top enjoyed the it bottom to you yeah where i enjoyed it a lot more than i did when i first saw it in theaters but it's still when you're comparing it to the rest of that universe it's still kind of middling um but i don't know it's just i'm unabashedly love the world building and, and love that universe as goofy and stupid and and repetitive as it can be at times and goose um, is still the best and, thing in captain oh, yeah. marvel yeah um, goose but I and ben mendelson ben mendelson i will say as well the scroll, um, the, all the scroll stuff without like if Oh, well, him wearing the hoodie at, yeah, really near good. the end yeah. is funny. I, I, I Both times I've laughed at that. It's just a funny visual. Um, but the one thing I will say is that Jude Law, I think, is miscast. In, in, would you have preferred Keanu Reeves? Yeah, well, yeah. because it would make sense because they're, I mean, um, uh, super intelligence? Centri- I was going to call it central, central. intelligence. Uh, the Rock movie. Intelli- Supreme intelligence. Supreme intelligence, yeah. It's basically like the Matrix, right? Yeah, which would have been So it fun. would have been a good nod to, to that. And I know that I think maybe down the line Keanu Reeves will show up in one of these movies, but... After he's done with John Yeah, Wick like it stuff. just felt like that would be kind of perfect for what they were going for with a 90s movie. And especially even with some of the, you know, action sequences, you could reference speed. Yeah. As well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jude Law is fine. I like Jude Law a lot. I just feel that he wasn't cast well as that character. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. So it went down a little bit um, for me. Oh, and I did the... like Annette Benning more in the second time I saw mm-hmm. it as well. I just think she's having fun with the role. She is. I think her first scenes are very bad, which we talked about mm-hmm. in a review. Like that first exposition dump where she goes to visit Supreme Intelligence and they just give you all of the backstory. Yeah, but the like, second time, like you can tell yeah, she's kind she's, of chewing exactly. the scenery but yeah. having a good time doing it. Yeah, it's it's it, it, and the movie's fun. It's good. It's and again, like I'm glad to see that it's it's doing incredibly well. Not that Disney needs it, but no, <laughs> um, but it's it's killing it. So it's it's doing really really well. And yeah, I these movies should be seen in IMAX. I don't know why our press screenings and stuff aren't, but uh, or or even just at the light box. Oh God, yeah, you know, nice. like like those. At least then you would you wouldn't get the um, expanded format yeah. of of watching it. But at least you would have great sound and great picture quality so and projection. Let's go into that. Like, we'll, uh, we won't go in it. You, if you want to know about the content of Triple Frontier, go uh, listen to our review. But I just want to gush about the light box again because you brought it up and just being like, man, that fucking Dolby Atmos sound that during Triple Frontier was crazy good and maybe not as intricate as something like roma but just the intensity yeah. of it was uh incredible well, like you can hear the couple bullets th- the bu- i know flying. i saw you kind of like yeah. flinch at, at times and so did i and i don't usually do that um where you'll hear a poof and it'll come from like behind you and it fucking it makes you kind of jump and it's it's the 3d it's, of sound design and it was so fucking loud which yeah. is a good thing and then but the dialogue is still very clear i mean sometimes it was harder to hear them but yeah i mean when, um, when they're in the helicopters but i mean that yeah. makes sense obviously I, yeah exactly and um just their projection and i saw movies back to back yesterday and today at 
Tiff Bell Lightbox, and it just makes, especially because they don't show many action movies, right? So right. when we saw Triple Frontier, it was kind of a unique experience. Or at least newer because, action movies, we should say. Sure, like, yes. I mean, when they do retrospectives of, like, you know, meatheads of cinema Yeah, and stuff totally, like that. totally. And, yeah. I mean, they don't show modern, I guess, yeah, blockbusters or action movies. So, uh, and tr- Triple Frontier seemed like it had a significant budget, and it is an action movie, and um, um, an action drama, but I, I was just like, fuck, man, I wish they could play everything here or i wish i mean being spoiled getting to go to press screenings we almost wish we could convince all publicists to do their screenings at lightbox to be greedy but like i wish we could go to more public showings because i would pay double the price to go to lightbox than i would um anywhere else it's just unfortunate that the way the rules work and things like that and i don't know if tiff really wants to get into the populist cinema but uh, maybe maybe them working with netflix is that it is yeah and and especially yeah like i totally agree with you like that the the sound mix um and the dolby atmos in that film is 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 a visceral experience Mm -hmm. like you really feel and hear everything that's going on and it keeps you completely engaged by it and and just shout out to their tech team and everyone who works there because you can tell that they make sure that Atmos mix is perfectly tuned and very loud and they make sure their projection is good. Like I had a minor gripe at the beginning of Triple Frontier because the masking didn't come down, but then it came down pretty much right away. Because uh, I don't, willed it to come The down. movie wasn't full 239 and right. it wasn't 185. It was that weird Netflix aspect ratio that has, it's like sort of in between a 185 and a, and a 239. I forget the exact thing. Maybe I'll look it up. Um, or, I mean, we'll talk about it on, on our actual, on the review yeah Yeah. but it's still um it was just uh it was interesting but uh yeah man that that theater is 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 amazing it's it's so so good um have you been watching anything else oh we both watched uh uh something (laughs) yeah what what did we leaving never oh yes yeah so that i mean that could be a discussion onto itself i mean uh, since it premiered at Sundance, it's been uh, garnering a lot of controversy, and 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 a lot of people wanted to see it. It's uh, second rec- highest watched HBO doc of all time, I think. Yeah, and it, and it recently premiered on HBO in two parts, uh, both available now on HBO Go and Crave, Crave in yeah. Canada. Um, and it's a film that is four hours long. Four hours, three minutes, because each one has, like, the first half is two hours and one minute, and then the second half is two hours and two minutes. Yeah. Um, and as a lot of people know, it's um, sort of focusing on two victims of Michael Jackson's uh, abuse and, and him being a child molester. And it goes extremely, it goes into extreme detail with, how the events played out and what happened to both of these uh, children who are now grown ups and have their own families, uh, uh, Wade Robson and um, James uh, Safe Chuck. And they sort of tell their stories about meeting Michael Jackson. One is a, a American kid, one's an Australian, um, but now is living uh, in, in the U.S. as a choreographer and each one of them kind of gives their testimony and talks about, you know, getting to know Michael and being, you know, fans of his um, and sort of the the parents as well being overwhelmed by, you know, this, you know, pop star taking this kind of interest in their children and yeah. inviting them to Neverland Ranch. And then it soon becomes very dark and goes into explicit detail. And I think it needs to 
um, to show the patterns and the predatory patterns and the grooming techniques that were brought into what Michael Jackson was doing and how these children were abused, uh, sexually abused and molested. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's a tough watch. It's it's incredibly tough to watch. Um, yeah. it's, it's also um, something that we've been talking a lot uh, about is that it's a very standard looking movie yeah. in terms of a documentary format. So there's not much to it other than talking head interviews which the interviews themselves like the actual framing and staging of them is, is nice but it's, it's just fine. it's just it's pretty static mm-hmm. it's pretty uh standard what you, uh, I, I think that's my biggest problem with it i think it's important i think what is being told is is should be heard and um i just don't know if the actual film is a great documentary, if that makes sense. Yeah, Dan Reed um, uh, directed and edited and shot some of it, and you get archive footage as well. But the archive footage is kind of in like a four by three box format. Yeah. I think part of it as well is so that they can use the music because they obviously didn't get the rights. Yeah. to a lot of that stuff. Well, of so, course. Yeah. So then that way they can show stock or not stock footage, archival footage with it in it, and like a lot of establishing shots with a, either a drone or a helicopter or stock footage, and just like. It pretty much follows that format of of two very long, uh, in-detail interviews, which I think everything that they're saying is very important, but it's just as they're speaking or their relatives are speaking, um, there is archival footage, and then it goes to an establishing shot of Neverland, and then archival footage, and then back to their interview, and it kind of just goes through the motions of that over and and over again. And it kind of jumps back and and forth between the two victim stories yeah. and their families. Like it, it doesn't tell one and then the other, but it keeps saying, okay, well this is when this happened. And their stories are very when, similar. Yeah, so which it's, it's again, it's laying out the foundation yeah. of, you know, how Michael Jackson operated to show you the similarities and, and that I what agree, these, yeah. these two are saying is, is true. Just to me, it felt like, I, and I'm not taking away again from any of this. I just felt like maybe it didn't need to be four hours or maybe it could have been, uh, tweaked a little bit to be more visual, and this is hard to criticize. Yeah, because because it's, it's like, like, well, how do you approach exactly. something like that? You don't that want this it to be s- too flashy. Right. You don't want it. You want the focus to be on their testimonies, their almost, stories. Like their yeah, stories because th- what like, they are saying is horrifying and depressing, and you get angry. Like watching the four hours. I took a bit of a break between. Same. Yeah, I took uh, a couple days in between between the 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 first and the second one. Um, but you have this you know, kind of skin crawling like your stomach. Anxiety. Like my stomach flipped on itself. I, and I was just like, yeah, after it all, I, I, I went outside and just took deep breaths and I, and I felt upset and angry. And I was also really angry at the parents Yeah, because like, I feel like, you know, in any other case, and it's even asked of them, like, would you let your children do that with any other adult? With a stranger, like, no. yeah. Like, no, exactly. but it was Michael Jackson, and Michael Jackson was the king of pop. He was the king of the world at that point. And it's like, oh, you know, like, he's he's a great guy. He's, he's not going to do anything. Yeah, he's yeah. famous. He's yeah, just... yeah, and he's had a horrible childhood, and he, yeah. he, he didn't get to really grow up as, as a kid But it's still himself. weird when you're like, yeah, he's sleeping in the same bed. He's taking them on, like, even if you take away the sex. Even if you don't believe... Yeah. The these sex two, stuff. because they do mention that both of them um, went on to sue them after Michael Jackson. Uh, Wade specifically testified for Michael yeah. um, in court, but wasn't ready to sort of actually have this discussion about what happened to him personally. Um, I believe what they were saying. I, I don't think it was bullshit or it was a money grab or a fame grab. Um, but even if you don't believe it, I mean, you have to question 
that even, close yeah. personal relationship he had with children or like you know when he took his own child blanket and put him over the balcony like you just wonder you know like why wasn't anybody really kind of questioning any of that and it's, we it's they and were power, questioning right? it yeah. but he kind of got away with it and people again just kind of brushed it off as like oh he's just he cares just about, eccentric yeah eccentric you know? and cares about children and and as we can see from these interviews that uh fuck man it was yeah it was really really hard to watch and um but again important and i think you should watch it um again when it comes to i guess when i was critiquing the filmmaking i was just didn't understand why it was shot in 239 widescreen and tried to be cinematic and things like that i almost right. i almost would have just preferred a straight up interview just like and maybe that's harder to watch because then you're not giving you a visual aid on top of uh, what they're saying, but uh, hard to critique it. But uh, again, it's I think it's an important watch, a uh, very tough watch. Um, but I think you should check it out um, um, and try try to watch it. Maybe even the first half, even. But uh, four hours is a lot to get through. Yeah, but. and and again, it focuses on these two men. Like it doesn't glorify it kinda, Michael Jackson in no, any not way. No, at all. And it, and it kind of splits it in between what happened to them and then the court case kind of in the yeah. second half. And then the second half kind of goes into how, you know, it was destroying their lives and eating away at them as, as adults and how, you know, like Wade wasn't able to communicate with his own wife and child and he was breaking down as a person and he was successful. I mean, he, this guy, this guy became, you know, Britney Spears and, and sinks choreographer. And he was on top of the world. He was about to direct a movie. Um, he, you know, was getting everything that he wanted. So it wasn't like he was uh, not accomplished and he's a talented guy. Like you can, see how great he is as, as a dancer and, and as someone who really knows the art form. Um, but just, it was just eating away at him. And yeah. and you see that like how, you know, even years later when you don't confront it or talk about it and you just keep it bottled up inside, um, it just destroys you. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so, it's, it's just a really tough, powerful watch that you know i i wish the filmmaking was a little bit more succinct but um overall i would say that it it is one that is um necessary yeah 100 percent with you um it's hard to transition from that right but um other i didn't really watch all that much in the last since we last recorded um other than that took up a bunch of my time i've been reading a lot i've continued reading uh invincible which we talked about last week um i'm like on uh, volume 17 or 18 out of 25 now uh it's it kind of finally hit like i was amazed at how long it took for it to get a arc that i didn't really care that much about like um you know that in anything you read of a long series or maybe even a tv show or a movie series there's always that kind of like storyline where you're like eh, i didn't really like it kind of seemed like they took a break from the good stuff and did some side thing that you don't really care about right so one of the volumes i just read was uh, kind of fell into that territory where they focused on some side characters and what th happened to them in this time period we didn't know about. And, um, so I did, I can't say I was losing interest or anything, but that was the first time where I'm like, man, I want them to get back to like, right. Invincible story. When it comes to expanding on, on stories, whether it be, you know, films or, or writing or television, if you're not interested in the smaller stories or the subplots, 
it can be kind of tedious to watch because you know that they're trying to expand the world and kind of build upon it. So um, you can understand why they're doing it. But if the story isn't interesting, you want to get back to and the, the central even, story. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's not even that it wasn't interesting, but they really invincible the series and robert kirkman does a great job at balancing a lot of different characters in this ever-expanding universe but this kind of when you injure your hero so he's kind of out of it for a while and then you focus solely on like here's a bad example but some people might laugh at it remember nikki and palo <laughs> lost yes um remember everyone hated them and I, to me, it was like, I didn't hate them when they were just kind of there in the background, but when they were getting like their own time and focus on them all the time. And right. You want to, like, you want to be back like, with Jack and see yeah. him get his tattoos. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, hanging out with those two and just like, you know, get, let's get the spider to bite them and get it over with right. already. And then bury them alive. That's yeah. a horrible way that they killed them off. Well, it was like show. the viewer that was killing them. Yeah, it was really. <laughs> but anyway, so, um. It's still an incredible comic series, and I know I'm 16 years too late to be recommending it because everyone recommended it to me for the last 16 years. But um, try to read it before. But I mean, if you want to wait, I'm I'm an ignorant asshole like that too, where I just don't read and I just wait till things get turned into TVs or movies. So I totally understand. Get turned into TVs. Yeah, TV or TV series or yeah. movies, um, which this is turning into both. Invincible, so. the TV. <laughs> So, uh, by all means, you can wait. I think both the, the animated series and the live action movie from Rogan and, and Goldberg will be uh, will be awesome. So, definitely check that out. And then I, uh, Nevis, and I, we've been kind of um, going through a lot of uh, uh, trilogies leading up to new films this year. So we watched. I talked about it before, maybe during the break. We watched John Wick one and two, and then. I talked about last week that I revisited Godzilla, um, the 2015, when did it come 14. out? 14. Godzilla, which uh, I completely pulled a, a 180 on, and I really enjoy it. And then we watched Kong Skull Island, which I know you're not a huge fan of. No, but, but it also has heartthrob Thomas Mann um, in it. It does, yeah. Nevis <laughs> loves Thomas Mann, yeah. And then uh, we watched it. Dude, it holds up for me. I think it's it's obviously much sillier than Godzilla, and I don't think the story's quite as good as Godzilla. Um, uh, it's pretty thin, yeah. um, but I like the visuals in the movie. I think it's fun. Um, I think think the cast does a great job i love john c Riley. uh i mean there's a captain marvel not reunion but pre-reunion of right. of sam jackson and brie larson well loki's and, in it as well yeah, right? tom hiddleston's in it and i i don't richard know richard jenkins just, richard jenkins for a brief moment um but i i don't know i like that world building with the godzilla franchise and what they're ultimately trying to lead up to there and um the different monsters the the giant spider in the woods um i really love i love some of the the interesting kind of i, I it reminded me of like anime video game visuals which i know jordan voight roberts is a big fan of of both video games and anime and and it is maybe style over substance in the movie but um i don't know i still really enjoyed it i thought it would be the opposite thing where i rewatch it wouldn't hold up but um, the more it went on, the more I, I, I still really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think Godzilla and Kong Skull Island are both excellent, but in very different ways. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm excited for Godzilla 2, and then ultimately they're doing Kong. Is it Kong versus Godzilla, or are they teaming up Kong and Godzilla? I don't know yet. I um, mean, I don't even know if there's really an actual official title for the film. Right, but they're shooting it, isn't it? Yeah, isn't well, it? Adam Wingard uh, is, yeah, is, is doing it. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, Michael Doherty shot yeah. uh, Godzilla, right. King of the Monsters. I'm kind of iffy on him as a filmmaker. I didn't really like Trick or Treat, so... I like uh, Trick or Treat, but yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel that... Kong Skull Island, for all its interesting visuals, can also kind of get lost in, you know, just mimicry and sort of copying films like Apocalypse Now. Sure. And it's maybe a little too goofy at times for yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I can um, totally understand But I do that, like but... the scene when Kong fights the octopus. Yep. And I, he I don't know him, why. I just like that him. stuff. No, it's cool. I, I mean, that's what I mean. I like all the monster stuff in that movie and... and um, yeah, just this sense of scale for Kong and, and how they kind of turn that story on its head a little bit. Um, and then John C. Riley just being John C. Riley is great, but it does yeah. get a little Dr. C. Rule. Yeah. Good for your health on his yeah. jacket. Um, so we rewatched that. Anything else on, on your end? Yeah. I mean, I watched, uh, I rewatched mall rats. Okay. Um, just because, because of, of the, the Captain Marvel thing. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's fine. I remember, uh, liking it a lot more when I was in high school. I think with a lot of, I, I mean, I, I, I like Kevin Smith a lot as a as a as a person and as a director, but um, I haven't revisited a lot of the view askew stuff since I was probably a teen. Right. So it, it's a it's such a weird movie knowing the history of that film in particular because it was after Clerks and it was kind of almost the same it kind of had the same success in terms of like the cult status but i think more people saw mall rats because of clerks yeah because they but wanted it still to see was his kind follow-up. of a failure wasn't it it was and part of it was that there were plot lines that were completely cut out and re-edited or rewritten during the filming of of, of yeah. the movie so like michael rooker's in the film and he plays uh uh, one of the the main characters has a crush on this girl, and and he plays the father of of this young lady, and you kind of get the sense that like there's something there to his storyline, and there is. There's like this weird like assassination plot that was completely cut out of the first. Is there a one. director's cut of the yeah, movie? there is, yeah. but it, it, that is missing some of it as well. And okay. Kevin Smith has even talked about it in the past, where you know there there are chunks of the movie that are missing um at least from the theatrical cut that just don't make any sense um when when it plays out chronologically because it feels like you're missing a scene or missing a moment that you right. needed to kind of fill in a certain blank um but i also kind of miss um jason lee uh, he doesn't do right do too he much doesn't anymore he did my name is earl for the longest time yeah right? which was pretty successful for him and yeah and I didn't watch much of it, I didn't but either. um wasn't really my thing. But yeah, he hasn't really... I mean, he'll show up in Jay and Silent Bob Reboot next year, but right. um, which I'm very curious about. And I think leading up to that, I'll probably go back and rewatch all of the View Askew movies leading into that. But um, as I've been doing with other franchises, that's like... The one that I've been teetering on doing, because I, I like going through these shared universes and stuff like that. And I feel like Chasing Amy might be that one that's weirdly in that series of movies that yeah um, the one i remember liking more when i rewatched it is probably his goofiest movie which is dogma yeah and it's kind of hilarious to think about it now that when that movie came out it was you know people were petitioning against oh, it yeah. because you know like you had like bible thumpers and people like that saying like this is you know uh sacrilege and and yeah. it's like 
he's even said like i have a poop monster in this yeah movie like come on like it's not the last temptation of christ like i get why exactly. you know you're 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 petitioning against that film but it's like really like honestly yep um so i i do want to go back and rewatch those maybe we'll do that next year but, but yeah um, but it's it's also interesting to see that like stanley at that point even though he was younger was still old but he has like a beard yeah in, he in does that. have a beard yeah. in that movie right yeah, yeah. um Nice, man. Anything else? Yeah, I, I uh, finally caught up with Claire Denis' Let the Sunshine In with uh, Juliette Binoche and Gerard Depardieu, who shows up in the last five minutes of the movie. Um, it's a, a relationship drama about a woman who um, has separated from her husband and is back on the dating scene and is going through relationships with different suitors and sort of how she interacts with them and there are moments in the movie that work and then there are moments that kind of feel a little bit icky as though the movie is saying like she's defined as a person by the men in her life and it's just it's kind of a strange stance yeah um but i really liked high life and i had been meaning to get around to see it and i know criterion recently announced that it's going to be uh, a May uh, release uh, through Criterion. So I wanted to catch up with it. It's on Netflix now. Um, and it's it's okay. I, re- I always like Julia Pinoche and anything she's in. I think she mm-hmm. has really interesting um, choices and, 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 and makes... It has been working with some of the best filmmakers. Star um, of Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, even that. Like, that's an interesting no, choice totally. for her to do something like that. Yeah. Um, but I just was kind of a little bit underwhelmed with, with the movie. But I know a lot of people do like it, so... Fair, 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 fair. All right. Uh, staying at home. What are you recommending this week? I got a big list of stuff from Oh, iTunes. yeah, you do. Yeah, Before there's the show, a, you were going through iTunes. There's a like, lot of yeah. good shit on sale, good collections on sale. I mean, I'll kick it off if you yeah, want. Yeah, sure, like, absolutely. I'll run through. So on iTunes Canada right now, or the, um, yeah, iTunes Canada. Sorry, guys. Most of these sales that we say are always Canadian sales because that's really all we have access to here. Um, other than if we know a Criterion sale is on or something like that, we'll mention it. But um, there's a lot of good collections on for really cheap prices. A lot of stuff in 4K right now. So you can get a Ghostbusters 1 and 2 double pack in 4K for $8 Canadian. Uh, there's a Kubrick 7 film collection with some of his best stuff in there uh, for 29 bucks, which is great. Uh, Kingsman in 4K uh, double pack, so both Kingsman movies in 4K for $9.99, so $5 a movie for 4Ks of that. Um, uh, One of my favorite movies of all time, uh, 21 Jump Street, is in a package with 22 Jump Street for $8. Uh, 21 Jump Street is in 4K. Um, Starring Captain Marvel. Yeah. um, All of the X-Men movies, uh, which are in 4K, for $25. If you want to catch up before Dark Phoenix and RIP of that X-Men universe. Um, There's a Leica 4-pack. So if you want to prep before Missing Link, you can watch uh, all four. The Only four Leica movies or are they the more? Coraline, Box Trolls, Kubo and the Two Strings, and Paranormal. Yeah. For fifteen bucks, and yeah. then um, the Planet of the Apes, the new trilogy, is on for fifteen dollars. So five dollars a film for the four K of all all of those. So and there's more. So go check out the iTunes store um, right now. A lot of stuff that's in four K for hella cheap, um, and a lot of collections. So um, you might as well bundle them up and get them for super super cheap. So uh, that's what I'm suggesting this week. 
Yeah, um, my suggestion is uh, a Ridley Scott film that is getting a first-time Blu-ray release ever. And this is this is a weird time in Ridley Scott's career. This is after uh, Alien and Blade Runner and The Duelists and Legend. Um, and this is coming to the end of the 80s when we're getting into the erotic thriller territory and he made one of these movies uh it's called someone to watch over me um and it's been released through shout factory which is exciting because they also did uh the duelist as well which was ridley scott's first movie unfortunately there's not a lot of special features on it uh the film is about um a cop who is assigned to become a bodyguard for a famous uh actress who has been targeted um, because she saw something that she she saw a murder that she shouldn't, and now the guy is coming after her. Uh, Tom Berenger, who is in Platoon, and the substitute is the lead. Uh, Mimi Rogers as well. Um, it's not a great movie, but I just still find it fascinating that you know the things that Ridley Scott really enjoys are on display, which is production design. Yeah. Um, Mimi Rogers' character lives in this like high class apartment building, and. It looks like something out of like a science fiction movie, the way that, you know, the uh, tapestry and the curtains and everything is built. It looks like this mini fortress onto itself. And you can really tell that he's more fixated on that than the story because the story kind of falls into this category of, you know, they fall in love predictably yeah. and have this hot romance uh, for, for the late 80s. But it's, it's, it's kind of a fun film and it's just interesting seeing where Ridley Scott went. And I remember... Um, Hampton Fancher, who was one of the co-writers of Blade Runner, uh, talked about going on set in the documentary uh, Dark Days for Blade Runner, and he was saying that like Ridley was so obsessed with you know details of you know where the characters live that you know the Tom Berenger character is kind of like a blue collar guy with his family that like he wanted to make sure that there was like old pasta sticking to the <laughs> wall in the kitchen like that's how detailed he was um there's not a lot um like i said in terms of supplements but there's an interview with uh one of the screenwriters uh the main credited screenwriter uh Howard Franklin so yeah it's 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 one i would definitely recommend for uh, Ridley Scott completists and it's never been released on blu-ray until now cool yeah nice uh you want to talk in trailers right now yeah we got a lot this week man i think we so, should start with your childhood yeah. uh, favorite coming back oh, to God. the big screen this i should May. i should use that photo <laughs> you should make a wish uh i have i sent eric a halloween a photo of me as a kid as aladdin which um in 2019, I don't think you're allowed to do anymore, no. but it was 95, okay, or something like that. Times were different then. Um, a white kid could dress up as Aladdin back then. Now, uh, Well, now it's a whole new world. Yeah, no, um, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's start with Aladdin, man. So I just watched the trailer. It just dropped this morning. Uh, it's the second full trailer we've got or first was a teaser then we got a tv spot the, now we got the tv spot trailer. was to introduce the genie. Uh, uh blue man group genie <laughs> yeah uh, played by will smith and then this is more of kind of giving you an overall idea of it's the, the world full trailer yeah um and so you get a, a sense of the musical numbers you get a sense of the story which is just the same story you know from aladdin um I still get the same vibe that I got from most of the Disney live action stuff where it seems like a pretty faithful one-to-one -one recreation in with real people of the animated films. Um, 
Uh, obviously, things are slightly changed with Will Smith taking the role as the genie and Guy Ritchie directing. Right. Uh, so you get uh, we made. Uh, a joke a long time ago when we knew he was directing being like, Oh, there's going to be some sort of running through parkour scene of, of, uh, and uh, guess what and opens this trailer, a, a long shot following Aladdin. And yeah, hundred percent. It opens the, uh, the trailer. So there is some guy Richie in there. Um, you made a point about it looking like a, like someone trying to make a Bollywood movie, right? Um, like a white person, <laughs> a white yes. guy trying to make a Bollywood movie, which I don't think is wrong. Um, but I just the nostalgia is taking over here for me, and um, and it I, is an actual live uh, action adaptation, unlike The Lion King, right, right? Which is just an animated movie that's now an animated movie, but very realistic animation. So I mean, you still get that with Iago and um, uh, uh, Abu, um, but most of it is live action. You have um, uh, Mina Masood. I think is his name. Yeah, he's from, from Toronto, Toronto, right? Yeah, as Aladdin. Um, and he's also in uh, the uh, Doug Ford movie that's yeah. playing at South by Southwest. Rob uh, Ford. Movie. Run, Rob yeah. Ford, sorry. Yeah. Doug, Doug Ford right now is, yeah, is, is on the mind. Yeah. yeah, is on the mind of a lot of people. Uh, Rob There's, Ford. Um, that's, it's called Run This Town. Yes, he's yeah. in that as well. But yeah, a Toronto kid playing Aladdin, so that's really cool. And then um, uh, what's her name from... Power Rangers. Oh, I, I, I've interviewed her. Yes. Um, Naomi Scott. Naomi Scott. Yeah, yeah. she's playing Jasmine. Um, and dude, you're forgetting the most important thing. Just announced. Sexy Jafar. Well, se- oh. well sexy Jafar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Alan Tudyk uh, is voicing Iago. Yes, which uh, I think he'll do a good job too. So I don't know. This trailer, man. Like, I didn't hate it. Oh, um, Billy Magnuson. Billy Magnuson, who who's playing a new character. You don't see, which I'm assuming he's playing one of the princes that's trying to win over. Um, yeah, Jasmine. it said um, um, in the release that they. Didn't give like a name but like he's playing like a swedish prince or see something that's what like i thought because there's a sequence you know when aladdin comes in in the big parade when the other princes have tried to win over jasmine so i'm assuming there'll be some sort of rivalry between them and you have to put a white person in the movie right right uh, that's a joke, everyone. But um, I do like Billy Magnuson. A I lot. do like Billy yeah. Magnuson a lot. So um, curious to see what they'll do there. But um, I liked this trailer. I I, I went in expecting that um, I would also be making fun of it. I do still think it looks like a a weird like fake movie, <laughs> right. but it does have the production value there because you see the never uh, never had a friend like me musical sequence. You see a whole new world. Um, and it, I mean, it just gives me the Beauty and the Beast vibes, like things like that, where I, 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 it's forgettable, but it might be enjoyable for the two hours that you spend. Um, it bring back that nostalgic feeling. They'll play off all that stuff. So I don't know, man, I'm holding out hope that this will be enjoyable. And from what I've seen in this trailer, um, I'm more open to it. And even seeing Will Smith's genie now in action instead of like a weird, just, floating head on a a cg body on in that last tv spot like actually seeing some of his personality come into it and um and adding obviously i mean the the original genie very much robin williams style of comedy right yeah well the kind of let loose um, and just kind of uh riff where will smith like it seems like he's probably going to be following in suit of what Williams did, but maybe with more structure around the script and more akin to his style. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it is going to be more Will Smith and like, it's going to feel like, well, he's going to bring it, that charm that, yeah. you, that you love about Will Smith, that he's, you know, one of the most charismatic leading men ever. And maybe this is going to be a fun role for him to remind people of 
how enjoyable yeah, it is. Yeah, and and um, maybe we'll see a fresh prince in the movie. <laughs> right. Oh, that would <laughs> that, be good. That joke with the prince in the trailer actually made me laugh, yeah. too. Um, so th- there are some good bits in there, and I, I, I hope he lets loose. And I, f- I feel like now that we've seen him both in his blue form and his regular form um, and see him in action, it doesn't look as jarring as it did in that first thing or as goofy as it looked. Yeah, because um, out of context. I mean, it's still kind of goofy looking, but totally. I mean, you have to consider, like, this is a live action adaptation of Aladdin so how else can you go about it right yeah. like you have to create some sort of uh visuals and 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 style that are going to kind of be from the original material and and will play to that mm-hmm. but i'm yeah man i i don't know i'm i'm cautiously optimistic uh, i mean if it's just a one-for-one adaptation of the animated movie to live action, I think I'll be perfectly fine with it. Right, but they'll um, add in another song or yes, something which we for were, awards consideration this year. They have to, right? Yeah. You know, they don't have to, but they will. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they wrote a new song for Will Smith to rap or something. Yeah. <laughs> genie rap. Big genie style. Yeah, hopefully. Um Something you sent to me last week that we just missed out on because I think it dropped uh, right after we recorded, but the second trailer for Brightburn um, was released. Um, so a movie that we forgot to include on our top uh, 19 most anticipated movies of the year because uh, we both are actually genuinely excited for this. It, uh, it is kind of flying under the radar ooh. right now. Um, what did you think? Because for me, I think... It gave away a little bit too much, I but I'm not sure if it did. I hope it didn't, but it seemed like it did. I hope a lot of that is... I think I think you need it for people that aren't convinced that it's not a parody. Sure. Like, I feel like that first trailer for some people will think it's like, oh, is this like some sort of like parody movie, like, you know, scary movie or airplane film? I mean, I know where they had a superhero movie, but like I feel like <laughs> for some people that like they're not going to take it seriously and you might need this because it's not based on an existing ip yeah um but the scene that got me is the eye the glass glass and the the i'm surprised you could put that in a green band trailer like i know it's not super graphic but you know what's happening yeah right and like for a green band trailer sorry excuse me the talkies are coming back for revenge um uh i was surprised at that glass scene but like i don't know it does it looks really samuel jackson in her eye yeah, I'm uh yeah. Uh I'm really excited for this. I don't know. Like I think it it has a really cool vibe. It very much just looks like it's riffing on Man of Steel or the Superman story but from a horror perspective and and um Which is a good idea. Like I, think I mean so, yeah. I'm surprised that this hasn't been thought of before, or pitched before. Yeah. I mean, I'd really love to talk to you about Invincible that I'm reading, which I brought up before cuz it's not obviously a uh, pure horror vibe, but there are some similar themes there of like, what if Superman was a bad guy kind of thing. And, um, uh, well, didn't Mark Millar do that a little bit as well with did, like Nemesis yeah. and yeah. Nemesis was more of like, if the Batman was Joker, right. which now Scott Snyder is doing a legitimate, what if Batman was the Joker with the Batman who laughs, which is fucking awesome. And people should go read that too. Um, but it's like if Bruce Wayne lost his mind and he just, decided to become the joker but he still had all the intellect as batman and stuff like that right so people have done twists on this stuff before and and the batman who laughs very much is a horror comic um but and yeah you've had different twists on superman with red sun with like what happens if superman would have crashed in in russia instead of the u.s and things like that so he becomes dolph lundgren yeah basically (laughs) 
<laughs> but no, man, this looks like a pure horror take on it. Um, there's a lot of really cool sequences. It does look a little bit lower budget probably, but I still think the visuals look cool. Yeah. Well, you, you're, you're into this too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I totally am. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Um, you know, and, and I mean, obviously James Gunn being a producer on the, on the film is, is intriguing. And, um, again, he's going to subvert expectations, so to speak of what we're going to get as a, a superhero movie. And I'm, I'm just excited to see the twist on that even further explored and, you know, how those certain little moments of, uh, American nostalgia and iconography of, you know, the red blooded, all American good guy being turned into a warped villain that is, you know, basically a serial killer, but as a yeah. kid. And how do they um, stop this guy? Is yeah. This yeah. Kid? Or like, can you, yeah. you know, once, once he's, come into it could his just powers. be an incredibly depressing movie right by the end of um it. and i'm also really excited to see um what elizabeth banks is going to do as his mom she yeah. seems like she's gonna knock it out of the park and roy from the office yeah <laughs> uh, that's what roy's up to uh dude yeah i'm i'm very excited i think it's it like you said it's 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 under the radar for a lot of people, I think. And, um, I think it could be a pleasant surprise. Um, it's yeah. soon, right? Or, uh, May, or no, June? is it? I don't know. I May. I think it. it's May. May. Um, and I still like how it is riffing on Zack Snyder's man of steel. Oh, right. From Completely. visionary producer, James Gunn. Totally. It's good stuff. Um, next I want to talk about, uh, we have a series of South by Southwest trailers. Um, Actually, our next one, two, three, four, five trailers are all movies that premiered at South by Southwest in the last few days. So uh, it's like a domino effect. We're just knocking all which them down. Which is smart, yeah. right? You, you you mentioned this off air when we were talking before the podcast started, but like you might as well capitalize on that that discussion. Yeah, that momentum of, of of getting um, you know critical reviews and especially if they're positive and sort of playing with that. And I think specifically the one that's doing really well is Olivia Wilde's Booksmart. Yeah, I mean, we can start there. And sorry, I, I misspoke. I don't think um, uh, Late Night. Late Night did not play South No, that was Sundance. was Sundance. So, but we'll go, we'll talk about everything. So yeah, let's start with Booksmart. Still a festival, though. Uh, still a festival. Um, but Booksmart, uh, Olivia Wilde's directorial debut, yeah. um, premiered at South by Southwest um, uh, last night or two nights ago. Two, um, Monday? Yeah. Uh, I forget what day it is now. It is Tuesday. It's, it's Tuesday. So it was yesterday, yeah. I think. and um, Or the day before. As we're recording this. Um, and trailer dropped, uh, Red Band trailer, um, uh, starring uh, uh, Jonah Hill's sister, Bethany Fine. Beanie. Beanie. Uh, Beanie, um, Beanie Feinstein. Feinstein, yeah. And uh, sorry, I don't know the and other And Caitlin uh, Denver. Denver, okay. Yeah, from um, Detroit and Short Term 12. Yeah. Uh, easiest way to describe it is almost like a, it's kind of a – imagine super bad but with female leads kind of. Right. In the sense of not necessarily that they're like – they are nerdy outcasts, but intentionally because they were the book smart kids that focused on high school. And these two girls are now graduating. They got basically straight A's. They got into the college or university that they wanted to get into. And now they, but now they have a little bit of, of, of regret that they didn't actually take time to have fun and have a social life a little bit. So now they're making up for that. in that one, you know, one final hurrah, so to speak at the end Um, of high school, which I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and I mean, the thing that sucks about it, I mean, you, you, not that you said it, but like 
you know, the comparisons to Superbad, because we're going to be talking about another movie that's also that's being compared to Superbad, super bad. but, you know, Lady Bird and also Eighth Grade, where it's like those are the automatic comparisons because they were recent releases. So yeah. it's like, and they fit that bill of, you know, coming of age, adolescent Female, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm excited for it. It actually looks really it looks nicely really, shot and yeah, funny. and very the, funny. The, the first shot of the... There's some weird animated sequences, yeah, too. The, and, like, and the first shot looks like it was like almost like replicating... Uh, Birdman. Yeah. Yeah. And Except I, she's not floating. Exactly. Um, but no, I, I thought the trailer was very funny. Um, I like both leads. Um, there are, it seems like they. Will Forte's in there. Will Forte. And Jason Sudeikis, yeah. obviously. Well, yeah, he plays the principal. Will Forte is the father of one of the girls with um, uh, Lisa, Lisa Kudrow, Kudrow yeah. as, as a mother, which is great. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, these raunchy team con- comedies are, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say played out, but I mean, we get a lot of them, but, um, a, a feminist raunchy team comedy from Olivia Wilde sounds kind of awesome. And, um, and if it's good, uh, I mean, it's yeah. good, right. You can't knock something for, you know, actually bringing something a little more to the I table mean, than at, yeah. just being, you know, a shallow, uh, summer teen comedy, but at least, yeah. you know, like it could be fun on that level as well. Yeah, I mean, these things are all blending into each other because I watched all these trailers one after another. But I did see, though, like I mentioned, there's like a weird animated sequence and a couple kind of strange uh, kind of choices that I thought were really, really cool stylistic choices in that trailer. And um, I consistently laughed throughout the entire thing. And, and I sometimes worry with Red Band trailers for comedies that they give away some of, too much of the best material sometimes. Right. But the best studios i do hold a lot of their best jokes for the actual movie and, or it it just um, doesn't sell the film that it actually is right, that's like true too like i feel with comedy it's one of those fine lines when you're advertising something it's like either it's you know trying to pander to a mass audience so to get as broad a group of people to go and see it as fair, possible fair. with jokes and that it doesn't going, go into its weirdness yeah right. and that's what i've always felt with like a lot of adam mckay stuff where like it's actually a lot weirder and stranger and specific when you see it, but then when you watch the trailer for it, even if it's a, a red band trailer, you're you're getting the stuff that they feel that everybody will like to to you know hook you on it. Yeah, totally. And then that leads us into maybe yeah, something from a uh, very similar from a uh, uh, similar perspective and and a twist on the raunchy kind of sex comedy but this is uh good boys which is directed uh by it's um, one of the guys who worked on uh bad teacher i'm looking it up now i knew i forget the name but but anyways uh, jacob tremblay stars uh as a foul-mouthed preteen who who's in grade six or yeah who joins or up with seven. a couple of his buddies and wreck havoc on everybody and seth rogan's at the beginning of the trailer and obviously again they're playing up the super bad angle yeah. where you know they're mischievous and getting into all sorts of trouble and and it, the gimmick here is that it's an r-rated uh, raunchy comedy starring uh these three grade six kids yeah <laughs> and which like, th- i mean this could backfire as well because it's right. like you know the the rapping granny you know kids saying swearing swearing and, it's like oh my god but don't get me wrong did laugh throughout this trailer. yeah i, I did like, too but i mean as long as the comedy is is worth it uh gene uh spaninsky Okay, Gene Spinelli. Yeah, and he worked on The Office. And... Right, he did. He wrote a bunch. Oh wrote God, he was the writer of Year One, though. Yeah, I know. We won't hold that against him, but um, I will. 
That's a terrible movie. Nevis really loved the Stranger Things kids joke. He's like, uh, go fuck yourselves to the Stranger Kids, uh, Stranger Things kids. Um, I don't know. Just, yeah, seeing goofy kids swear and, and talk about anal beads and stuff right. like that is it's funny, but I, I'm with you where I worry that will wear off. Yeah, and it'll quickly. become grating after a while. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, I did enjoy the trailer. I thought it was quite funny. But, yeah, right. I, I, I do. This is a little bit more high concept than I think something like Booksmart is. Like, I think... I think there... Yeah, I think there's yeah. more to it in terms of context and, and and actually exploring the characters where this, as you said, you know, high concept idea, a bunch of kids swearing and having a good time and to your, and, we keep bringing yeah. up super bad it's like well what happens if we made super bad but made the kids graduating from elementary school instead of graduating from high school right yeah and again i remember being a little shithead in grade seven grade eight when i was graduating elementary school too and i remember swearing when i wasn't supposed to and uh, and sure not using dildos to lock doors and <laughs> stuff like that but like um but i don't know yeah i i worry that it will wear Thin very quickly but i did enjoy myself in the three minutes of this trailer and like, right i consistently laughed throughout it so and rogan's um, got a pretty good track record yeah. when it comes to the high concept comedies i mean he made neighbors work twice and somehow uh, yeah so, yeah which you know or this is the end so like anything that he's either writing or producing or directing or has some sort of hand in he always seems to really put an effort in there and maybe there's going to be more emotion than we're we're thinking as yeah. well Probably. And then uh, the final... Seth Rogen, right? Again, with Longshot. Oh, no, two more. Yeah, Longshot. Yeah, Yeah. Seth Rogen again. We can go there with... um, Which is the... uh, I guess political comedy of about a uh, a journalist. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like uh, the American president yeah. if it was gender swapped. Exactly. And, and uh, Charlie Saron was the secretary of state instead of the president, although she is running, running for president. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So basically he's kind of a schlumpy kind of reporter uh, guy who's, yeah. you know, uh, attire is 90s-esque. Right. And it seems to be playing up specifically that it's all uh, 90s based uh, humor and sort of nostalgia from the music. I mean, because uh, they went to high school. To men played at yeah. the at the festival. Yeah, so. and they they went to high school together in the nineties. Yeah, right? well, That's she was she's... his his babysitter. Oh, right? babysitter. Is yeah. that it? Okay, yeah. So, um, and it's directed by Jonathan Levine, who also did the night before and Fifty Fifty. Did he do Warm Bodies, or am I thinking of a different guy? No, that was him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. also directed uh, Snatched, unfortunately, with uh, Amy Schumer. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I again, um, funny trailer. I, I dug it. Um, I, I again, I, I'm with you. Where I just like, I think Rogan is is great, and whatever he kind of has a hand into it, it ends up turning at least mildly enjoyable to very enjoyable. Right. So uh, I'm a huge fan of This Is the End. And I know, again, yeah, he didn't. But 50-50 I thought was great with him yeah. and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And, and you uh, also have O'Shea Jackson Jr., yes. Randall Park, uh, Bob Odenkirk um, popping up throughout. So, yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure it'll be a, a good time. And um, it seemed like a lot of people liked it at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. But actually, most of these movies that we're talking about got pretty good Although I don't, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the title, which is very generic sounding. Long shot. It used to. It was Flarsky. Flarsky. Wasn't it? I kind of liked Flarsky. That's his, that's his name, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but uh, long shot is generic sounding, but um, excited for that as well. And then the final South by Southwest film we're talking about, The Art of Self-Defense. Oh, yeah. Uh, directed by Riley Stearns. Yeah, um, who directed Faults with Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Leland Orser. And Leland Orser is a character actor that a lot of people know from the 90s who always played the nervous guy. Uh, okay. So whether it was in, you know, Seven with the guy who gets the... Um, and this is what it's credited as the dick knife put on him or oh, fuck, yeah. um, alien resurrection when the alien pops out of his chest and into the head of the other guy. Um, he was in Saving Private Ryan. I think he's on that show with Chris Pine right now. I am the Knight, uh, directed by uh, Patty Jenkins and Ber- that Berlin Station show as well that I didn't even know right. was a thing. <laughs> Uh, but my stepdad apparently is watching. There's it. all these it. shows now that like are directed by great directors and things like that. Where I'm like, that's already out and finished. Yeah, like, or that's a show. What? Yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah. This person starred in this. I'm like, Fuck, um, but this this is we're this, clueless when it comes. This to, like, is about TV like stuff. you know a, a timid young kind of guy who's afraid of everything and everyone played by Jesse Eisenberg who joins a, a local uh, judo kind of gym and, and signs up. And I think the trailer almost plays more like a short because it, it has this comedic off kilter beat to it that really plays in that last couple of seconds. Yeah. And I actually really laughed at it. Like, I don't think it's going to be for everybody, but I do think that the people that kind of enjoy the kind of deadpan, uh, humor of, I mean, obviously Jody Hill with the foot fist fist way. I mean, Napoleon um, Dynamite. Yeah, yeah, bit. Jared Harris's stuff or yeah. Hess's stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I I totally agree with you there. And I um I I I watched it. You sent it over to me, and I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I think it premieres tonight at South by Southwest. I don't think it's played yet. You know what has? Um, oh, it did. Have seen was it, it last? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe press screenings. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought the premiere was tonight. Imogen Poots is in it. Oh, nice, nice, nice. But yeah, man, it looks uh it looks good. I'm I'm totally down for it. Uh, and then we got a lot of trailers this week. Um, More trailers than movie news. Right. And a lot of comedies too. Yeah. Um, so, uh, finally our last one, um, which we talked about, uh, it getting picked up at the Sundance Film Festival by Amazon. Um, uh, late night, late night, uh, yeah. written by Mindy Kaling, uh, starring Emma Thompson as a late night host who's been on the air for, uh, I think quite a while and she's um, kind of losing her way or losing viewers. So. Yeah, she's not doing well in the ratings. She's not relevant anymore as as a late night talk show host. So to kind of um, change things up, Mindy Kaling comes in. This is one of her first jobs in the writer room and she actually brings a new and fresh perspective uh, that the other writers don't have, which is usually uh, male and very white. White. So, yeah, yeah. they kind of par- – one of the jokes is that Emma Thompson's kind of parading her around as, like, the new, I think, lead writer on the show and things like that. And uh, I like Mindy Kaling a lot. I'm rewatching The Office with Nevis right now, which is another thing I guess I could have talked about what I've been watching. We're on – the end of season three of the office. So we're kind of making our way through that. And yeah. And this is um, a passion project for her as yeah. well, because I remember last year, the year before it was going to be a studio film that Paul Feig was going to direct. And then he dropped out and, um, she, financing kind of fell through. So and, she decided to go independent with it. Yeah. And, and she still got Emma Thompson to come along for 
to to make it and and ike barinholtz is in it as well and um you'll see all a lot of probably her friends pop up in yeah yeah and, and and it should be pretty cool because she she started as a writer right she was yeah. a writer on the office she's been a writer on many many different things before obviously the mindy project where she kind of blew up there as well but um yeah. i remember her in uh the 40 year old virgin uh she played paul rudd's ex oh right yeah she did yeah, yeah. so no I'm, I'm excited for this i like this i mean i always have been fascinated with late late night tv and i mean yeah I would, the mechanics of yeah. it and what goes into it and the behind the scenes and it uh, looks like it it's all. essentially riffing on the tonight show right because it's called tonight with i forget what her character's name is. right um but I uh, yeah, I'm excited for this. I, I wish we lived in a world where Emma Thompson was a talk show host for 20 years or right. whatever. Because I made a joke when this movie was coming out, where I'm like, uh, it's just if you look at our series of talk show hosts right now, late night talk show hosts, uh, there's some similarities there in every single one. Well, what are you saying, part. Matt? <laughs> Again, like the, yeah, like most things, but anyways. bland and white. Yeah. Well, you you know what? To be fair though, uh, uh, Samantha B is doing a really great job. Sure, but I mean, like, yeah, I I agree completely, and I'm um, but I think on like the main networks and things right, like right, that, right, right, like there's not a lot of variety. No, there isn't, and they're yeah. all pretty similar. They do their goofy games, and they do their anyways. And it's not that like, anybody, it, it, none of them are. are untalented no i, mean, like I all... actually like most of them it's just i'm kind of bored with all of them too like yeah, I, have no, I have nothing against them even people hate on jimmy fallon and hate on um mostly jimmy fallon or james corden even but like i'm not huge fans but like i i don't think either of them are bad people or garbage but it's just kind of has become repetitive and boring right right um but i don't know what else you could really do so i'm excited to see something like this i think it, uh, it looks funny and and high concept and and an industry that um, I like diving into. I like movies that dive into the entertainment industries and different aspects of it. I even liked, I mean, not really in the same vein, but um, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, I actually really liked. When right, I was the on. Aaron Sorkin and, series. Yeah, um, but obviously very different from this. But uh, I really liked uh, the Larry Sanders show with uh, Gary Shandling, the late Gary Shandling, which was, again, a behind-the-scenes look and the making of a, a you know a talk show and and it was kind of ahead of its time when when it started because it was I think it started around the same time as Seinfeld but yeah. like a lot of people it was kind of like the brainy brainier show the kind of cultier show um, but it lasted for seven seasons and, oh, wow. and 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 had some great guest stars and again like it looked at the behind the scenes of it all. And, and you just kind of appreciate it on a, on a technical level. I mean, even, you know, the stuff we do at, at cinema scene, like you just, you know, seeing other people do not dissimilar kind of behind the scenes production, uh, maintenance and sort of keeping something going is, yeah. is always fascinating to watch. And just, yeah, exactly. And even the people who work there that you don't necessarily yeah. get to see, right? Like a lot of these writers are very funny people, but they're the very ones. idiosyncratic yeah. and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh all right, let's uh that's it for trailer talk or talking trailers, whatever the hell we call this. Um let's move on to the news. So as Eric kind of teased earlier, uh not much happening in this last uh uh, kind of week or so since we've recorded, but we do have some things. So uh, we did mention when we were talking about the Aladdin trailer. I mean, you don't hear Iago. Oh, I already it, mentioned that though. But yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. That's so Eric mentioned that, but Alan Tudyk is voicing Iago in Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. Uh, I think a good choice. I mean, Alan Tudyk very familiar with Disney doing voices. He's kind of becoming the new John Ratzenberger. Yeah, kind of. He shows ways. up in all of Disney stuff lately, yeah. like when they need. Uh, 
a guy who can provide a uh, some solid voice acting. You saw him in both Wreck-It Ralph 1 and 2. Um, as different characters. As different characters. Yeah. And, um, uh, I mean, I remember him in Dodgeball. <laughs> right. Oh, it was the pirate? Yeah. <laughs> was it Pirate Pete? Yeah, Pirate Pete, I think, in Dodgeball. But I remember uh, him from Firefly. Yep. And, a lot uh, of people Serenity love. and, um, oh, iRobot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. He was the robot. <laughs> cool. <laughs> he was the titular iRobot. Um, he put the I in robot. <laughs> not much else to say there other than uh, curious to see how he'll compare to the great Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried, I mean, I like that guy, but he oh, that voice is sometimes small doses. Grading. Small doses. Yeah. Like, I could never imagine. Like, could you imagine him recording, like, a uh, podcast? Uh, well, well, he does. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, but no, like a uh, 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 something to fall asleep to, right? Like Gilbert Godfrey, like, like reading, yeah. yeah, like or even yeah, an audio book of him just trying to of the nursery rhymes. <laughs> That'd be good. That's high. Con- that's a good concept, man. Uh, next piece of news I want to talk about. Um, Slash Film had an exclusive um, that Marvel Studios is producing a What If TV series for Disney+. Plus. It looks like it's going to be animated, but it is going to be produced by Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige, which I thought was really interesting. Um, If people aren't familiar with the What If comics, it's kind of the out-of-continuity um, one shots that you can kind of take a Marvel superhero or something in the Marvel universe and kind of turn it on its head and do something crazy with them. So like as some examples are like, uh, here on the slash film, um, news story, they have a, a banner that has, what if Spider-Man joined the fantastic four, um, or what if Captain America didn't vanish during world war two. So you can take like familiar storylines and go, what if this didn't happen or what if this did happen? Right. So, so they're playing, um, almost into like you know the spider-verse and in, in exactly way. the alternate universes of but uh, the idea here with kevin feige and marvel studios producing it is that they might be able to do i mean we already know that they're going to be making those live action tv series with tom hiddleston with loki and with uh scarlet witch and and vision um as well as i think falcon and winter soldier i think are the three rumored shows that they're making um, right. live action um and then with this the they could possibly just get them to do voice for it right if it's animated so you'll still get the marvel um mcu voice actors for some of this stuff but there'll be interesting stories of like um uh I, there are some really, really cool ones. Look them up. I don't off the top of my head. I don't know, but just imagine anything from the Marvel universe of like what happens if this character actually got these powers instead of this other person, or what if they were a villain instead of a good guy, or things like that. So um, I think it could be really cool. I, I like to hear about what Disney's doing to build their lineup on Disney Plus. The other piece of Disney Plus news that we got was that it looks like they're going to have the entire disney library on disney plus maybe not on day one i'm assuming that means probably over time they'll have everything right which kind of makes sense or or it might be by day one i mean that's that's if you really want people to subscribe if you go we have a new star wars series ready when it launches we have a marvel series ready when it launches and we and have plus all the classics and your favorites yeah everything that's been go. in the disney vault and maybe things are available except for song of the south i yeah i hope everything's available or whatever can be available will be available in 4k even if i have to pay a little bit more money for that right um I think one of my biggest pet peeves right now is for a guy who's trying to transition into a mostly digital 
library. Um, a lot of the Disney um, stuff isn't available in at least on Apple devices. They kind of have a rivalry there with Apple. They're available, but they're not in 4K. Um, but yeah, if you if Disney can come out and say we have every Disney movie ever. Uh, except for maybe the racist ones. Right. Um, and uh, all the Marvel stuff and what that means for the Fox stuff, I don't know. I know they said that they probably won't have R-rated content on Disney+. Plus. Uh, that'll probably go to Hulu. But I, 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 eventually I could see there just being a... like a, Hey, kids, do you want to watch A Cure for Wellness? No, right. But, I mean, like if, if it's like password... Per- protected area automatically or something right. like that like i don't know um but this animated series sounds really cool i mean i'm all for more world building and i like that you, you can kind of get really creative with this stuff too if you bring in some interesting writers and like imagine what we like what we talk about in the third film from a marvel series finally being able to let loose imagine if you weren't tied to continuity and you just brought in really great writers and it sure it'll be animated it's not live action but you could say hey what's a character that you've always wanted to use and what's the craziest thing that you want to do with them and we'll get you the voice actor we'll get you chris evans or we'll get you like maybe they'll be retired or or maybe it'll be people who are currently in the MCU, but getting them into a voice booth for a couple hours is much easier than... Yeah, and they'll make a ton of money off of that and, yeah. you know, for a day's worth of work. Exactly. So I think that could be really cool. Yeah. So. I'm uh, just disappointed that it's not uh, an animated movie on uh, or series based on uh, the F word. Right. Because <laughs> it's called What If in yeah. the U.S. Yeah, I got that. Okay. Thank you for well, that. Thank you. Well, I just, you know, feel like... Thank you for that very uh, specific joke for the three people that are listening that probably saw that movie. Uh, decent movie. Not a great movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, There's a lot of really great people in it. Yeah, Adam, Adam Driver. Driver and, he has a great uh, sequence at the when they're eating the nachos. Yeah. Um, Mackenzie I, Davis. Yeah. Um, what I don't like about that movie is like the geography of Toronto of how they like jump around to the different locations. Like if you're from here, you're like the fucking one night do they go on a date and go here and here and here and here. I'm like, I guess they could have, but they would have spent a lot of time on transit. But yeah, well, uh, that director as well, uh, Michael Dows, who did Fubar as well. Uh, he has, a, I think he has a movie playing at South by Southwest with does he? Uh, Kumal Nanjiani and uh, Dave Bautista. Oh, Stuber. did he direct that? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, good for him. Uh, curious to see that. Did that trailer drop or a screen grab, maybe, or something uh, or like an image? Entertainment Weekly released a couple stills. Images, yeah. yeah. Um, keeping, I mean, uh, transitioning over from someone who's worked on Marvel and both on a, a Star Wars show for Disney Plus, uh, Taika Waititi looks like he's going to be co writing and directing a Time Bandits pilot for a TV show for Apple. <gasps> he's for gone Apple, over to the dark side. For Apple streaming service. So interesting to see Taika. He's taking on a lot of TV stuff right now. Right. Um, right with the Star Wars stuff and, and what we do in the shadows as well as this now. Yeah. So um, he completed shooting Jojo Rabbit earlier uh, or late last year, right? And then since that, he took on Star Wars, who did an episode for them, one or two I think I two. Yeah. One or two episodes for the Mandalorian. And then he did the pilot for what we do in the shadows, I believe. And then now he's doing, um, time, time bandits. bandits. Yeah. So, uh, you said you're not a huge fan of the, no, well, at least, movie. I mean, I, I, I like it for what it is, but it's, I think it's like a Terry Gilliam movie. It's probably in the middle for me. I prefer movies like 12 monkeys and, um, 
I'm trying to think what else is like my top tier. Like 12 Monkeys is probably my favorite of uh, Brazil. Brazil and 12 Monkeys are probably my top two Terry Gilliam movies. Um, I, I liked it more as a kid, but I also found it very boring at times. It's, you know, your early 80s fantasy movie with a lot of repertory actors that either worked with him during Monty Python with Michael Palin and John Cleese or, you know, Sean Connery has like a couple roles in it. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Ian Holm as well. Um, but it's it's okay. It's it's fine for what it is, but I would be curious to see what Taika Waititi does with it. I think out of anybody that would be able to kind of mimic Terry Gilliam's style, uh, Taika is probably a really good pick for that. And he's probably, I don't know if he's going to be directing like a, a lot of the episodes. I think it's just the pilot. Yeah, which and I think then, is good and because then executive it, keeps him, producing. It, it keeps him sharp for when, you know, like he has downtime between a film or other projects that he's more invested in. He can go and shoot a show, an episode in a couple of weeks and get that out of the way and then jump on to the next thing. Do you think it's probably because he's doing another Marvel movie that he can't talk about yet because of maybe, like or maybe it's just that thing? he's, he's just cause he's finishing he's, well, Jojo I mean. rabbit. And maybe that's like, you know, to keep kind of, going or to keep you know sane um because when you're editing a film i mean that is some of the most monotonous work out there is is editing um that you know like he takes some time off to go and shoot something and some people just like have that kind of urge to keep going yeah yeah especially when they're in a groove and i feel like he's right now in that sweet spot of of really riding off the success yeah and and i also know that he's been trying to get you know that michael jackson bubbles don't know if that's going to happen anymore. Yeah. Um, I would actually be very curious to hear his thoughts on that movie because he's a huge Michael Jackson fan. Yeah, I wonder if anyone... Yeah, there's that picture of him, too, where he mimics... Well, it's the Thriller album. Yeah, the yeah. Thriller album, right? And then I don't know... Someone interviewed him recently, I think, for What We Do in the Shadows because it premiered at South by Southwest. And they talked about uh, Star Wars and Marvel and stuff like that. But I don't think anyone has brought that up. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling the Bubbles movie's probably dead. Yeah. Um, so I have a feeling. My thought is that he's probably going to do something in phase four of Marvel, whether it's another Thor movie or maybe a different franchise. Um, and, but that won't be shooting for a while. Because right. They or they'll probably really announce it this year because after of. After uh, Endgame and Far From Home. Yeah. Right? And isn't D23 this year? Yes. So my yeah, my prediction for that would be that they'll they'll announce phase four, which will include Chloe Zhao's the the Eternals. It'll include uh, the Black Widow film, which there was a rumor going around, which I didn't really put on the list because it's uh, I have oh really, Emma Watson yeah, possibly joining, yeah, but also which, Florence Pugh is yeah in the running. But then it was on some of those like sketchy sites that I didn't really see it on any actual. Um, kind of official. Like, yeah, no, I saw websites. that too, and I was kind of like, I, I'll believe it when I. Exactly. See, not that I, not that I don't believe that maybe she's either gone in for an audition or talked to people. Like, I mean, Marvel seems to, you know, be but they probably open bring to in talking. tons of people. Yeah. Well, they right? interviewed. Like, they talked to Claire Denis. Yeah. You know? For Black Widow. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, like that would sure. be fucking interesting. Oh, God, that would have uh, been really weird. But we'll see Black Widow. We'll see uh, the Eternals. Um, we'll probably see another Doctor Strange. Black Panther, movie, Doctor Strange. Those uh, are all final Ant Man film. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be curious. What was the one character, that. the Egyptian character, Moon Knight? Moon Knight? He's not Egyptian. Maybe he's Egyptian. I thought he was Egyptian. Like, um, 
Moon Knight's kind of cool. I don't know much about him, but um, originally they were going to do a, one of those Netflix shows with him, but then... Right. Because um, I, I kind of would like them now to bring in some more weird characters like the Eternals. I think they're going more cosmic with this next phase, so... Which I think you can even see bits and pieces of that in Co- Captain Marvel, right? Like, that was still a big part of it. And um, I think if she's going to be a, a big part moving forward, then I still think that... No, I guess you don't do Asgardians of the Galaxy because Taika's already said, I don't want anything near James Gunn's Volume 3, right? Right, and um, I am very curious to see how Volume 3 will play out because, I mean, everybody is saying... I don't know if we'll even saying, get it. Some people are saying we are. Well, with his script, right? Yeah. But who's going to step in? Ron yeah. Howard, baby. Ron Howard. <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like most people who respect James... Are, is like nah, I don't because I'm sure they reached out to Taika and was like, hey, would you do it? And he was probably like, nah, I'm not gonna Mark, do that. I'll do, some, like, I'll do something else. Hey, Peyton but, Reed, what are you doing right you know. now? But you could just include some of those characters in the next Thor movie as well, too, right? right. And then not call it Guardians Three. But um, I'll be curious to see what he. Uh, I love Taika, so I, I I don't know much about. I know of Time Bandits, never watched it. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm sure I'll, I'll check this out because I like him enough. Right. Um, and I like his sense of humor a lot. So that's why I'm excited for what we do in the shadows and Jojo Rabbit. and, and, and Oh, and the Fisher King's like another one that I really like of Terry Gilliam okay. as well. Cool. I'll, cool, I'll cool, always cool. forget about that one. Uh, moving on to DC news. We talked a little bit about that last week of uh, what their direction is going to be moving forward. And What um, direction is that, man? And actually, speaking, I don't know. Speaking of James Gunn, too. Wow, I'm just like accidentally getting um, good segues here. Um, right after we recorded, not right after, but late last week, um, it was uh, kind of announced slash that Idris Elba will be taking over the role of dead... Deadshot, Deadshot, Deadshot in uh, Suicide Squad 2, uh, Electric Boogaloo. So, uh, and then there was another piece of news that came out of uh, which characters will be featured in the film because it will have a mostly new lineup uh, other than Deadshot and possibly Harley Quinn and possibly Rick Flagg. Rick Flagg. Played by uh, Rick Flair now. (laughs) Coming back. So, um... To give you a lowdown, so Idris Elba taking over for Will Smith. Um, thoughts on that? Uh, uh, I like Idris Elba, but I just don't have any interest in, in this. the film. Yeah, I'm with so. you. Uh, I mean, maybe Gunn can make something of it, but I just at this moment, it's just like, okay, that's... Sure. Yeah, whatever. Like, it seems like the obvious thing... Throw is- it into the pile with all the other DC projects that are planned right now with you know, uh, a cast or an ensemble that includes a character named... Uh, I'll go through it. So let's start with that. Uh, we have Ratcatcher, uh, the Lynn Ramsey film. Nope. So the Lynn Ramsey yeah. movie is is going to be in in, a, in Suicide yeah. Squad. He has too. an army of small rodents that he can control with his mind. Cool. Uh, King Shark, uh, which is a humanoid shark. Um, street shark. Basically, he's a street shark. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Polka dot man. <laughs> So they had Captain Boomerang in the first one. R.I.P. Jai Courtney. Not really, but um, Captain Boomerang's not going to be in the movie, it doesn't look like. Um, Jai Courtney's too busy shooting one scene in Alita Battle Angel. Hey, man, Um, that takes a lot of prep. Yeah, so Polka Dot Man. uh, Do do you think Jai Courtney went method for that role? For Captain Boomerang? No, for Alita Battle Angel. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Turned himself into a cyborg. 
yeah, this guy grows multicolored polka dots on his body that he can turn into fireballs and other weapons. <laughs> uh, for the most part, he's embarrassed about his awkward abilities. Cool. Sounds um, like a, a case of herpes. Uh, Peacemaker is an agent of peace. Uh, cool, cool, cool. What is with these these um, characters' names referencing movies? Because the Peacemaker and Ratcatcher are films. Yeah, and then uh, the rumor is that James Gunn wants uh, Dave Bautista for Peacemaker. Um, which at this point, all the, sh- all the shit he talked about Marvel and stuff like that, I'm sure they'd be like, okay, just go. We don't. I'm surprised uh, the one character that they didn't mention there that I think that they wanted to have for the first one or for a sequel was, was it Frost? Killer Frost? Frost? One of the Flash villains? Or Yeah. <sighs> Fuck if I know, man. But, um, again, I like James Gunn. I mean, this... Who's we... Polka Dot Man's... Uh, superhero like where, Batman. Batman. Yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah. Both Ratcatcher and they're like lesser known Batman villains. Um, I'm kind of disappointed sh- that Condiment King is not a part of that. Right. Group. Exactly. Like uh, again, I would Let's show. Put some you, I'll show you that. this stuff after. The oh, I, I saw the photos yeah, and stuff, yeah. but yeah. So, I don't know, man. Like James Gunn. It again. It this will be his Guardians Volume Three essentially. Like right. it's uh, uh, similar vibe to the Guardians, I guess. But I just could not uh, could not care less. But. Yeah, I mean, maybe once we, if it gets made and, you know, we get a trailer and it looks okay, maybe it'll be like Guardians Volume 1, where nobody really thought of it as much of anything, and then it became what it was. Yeah, for sure. Um, And our last piece of news, um, something I wanted to talk about last week, but I'm glad we waited because more news came out. Um, uh, Disney sent out a press release announcing that uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is the new uh, park that will be opening at Disneyland and Walt Disney World, is opening on May 31st in California at Disneyland and August 29th in Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Um, There were a series of articles uh, put out by numerous uh, press outlets in the last couple weeks uh, because they did a press preview of Galaxy's Edge in California, I believe, because it's opening sooner, kind of describing all the different rides you can go on, the different shops, the different foods you can eat, how the vibe of everything is going to be. Um, And it seems like um, in this press release, Disney's announcing that there will be two phases where uh, in phase one, the uh, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run ride will be open. But then in phase two, there will be another ride called Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, um, which will be open later. So it's kind of doing like a, uh, yeah, phased opening where not everything will be open yet, but... Um, they wanted to probably get it out as soon as possible for the summer season and things like that. Well, and also with um, episode nine coming up as well, right? Yeah, you want to capitalize and lead into that. So, um, Which we still do not have the title yet for. No, we do not. But um, yeah, and just some details here from the press release. So yeah, phase two will be later this year with the second ride. Um, Guests who plan to visit Galaxy's Edge at uh, Disneyland between May 31st and June 23rd will need a theme park admission, and uh, you actually have to make a reservation to get in. So um, I think that's trying to – they know how crazy busy it would be. So uh, I'm assuming they're worried about over – 
not, I don't want to use overpopulation, but like overcrowding right. at Galaxy's Edge. Because if you just let everyone who goes into Disneyland all rush there, it would be impossible to move around and probably impossible to do anything. So you actually need a reservation that you can make on Disneyland.com uh, to actually get into the park. So there'll probably be a separate entrance for you to enter galaxy's edge that you actually need a scheduled reservation to get in um they do mention that if you're staying at the disneyland resort hotels uh for like three days or longer you actually get a reservation for galaxy's edge automatically so that's to entice people to actually stay in their hotels um i read uh through a lot of the articles um last week and i i don't know are you a theme park guy at all or i mean i i i like it as a um a gimmick here and there and I, I enjoy kind of walking through them like when i went to la the first time I, I went to a lot of them and the second year i went to uh disney and 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 what have you and had fun but i don't necessarily go on a lot of rides okay um I, I like the log ride yeah that's pretty good for me um i love theme parks um i love more so these elaborate ones like universal and disney more so maybe than your classic thrill ride one like wonderland or right. a six flags or something like that i will that. not go on the drop um, zone uh, yeah i've been on all of them i used to love it as a kid like thrill rides and roller coasters and things like that but um even as i get older like uh, nevis and i went to disney world in orlando a couple years ago and it was one of the best times i've ever had as an adult you don't have any like i've gone a couple times as a kid with my uncle mark and things like that and had a great time as a kid but going as a 28 year old with my girlfriend to disney uh disney world and it was the first week that avatar land opened so similar to what they're doing here with galaxy's edge uh crazy Busy, busy, but one of the best times I've ever had. And like you, I think you appreciate more when you're an adult, just how elaborate everything is and Mm -hmm. how much detail Disney puts into these parks and the commitment they do to the storytelling and making children and adults believe that you are in these worlds and like they are very strict when it comes to the characters that are there and how their cast members act and the experience is just such top notch, whether you're on a ride or even buying something and sure it's incredibly overpriced and it's consumerism at its maximum, but like, um, it's, it's it's, multiple gift shops. Yeah. There's gift shops within gift shops, within food stores, within, and everything's way, way expensive. But, um, I think it's totally worth it. And I had such a good time even as an adult a couple years ago. And, um, I just love how elaborate the animatronics are in the rides and how crazy they get with now, um, augmented reality and, and like projections and, and video screens and how they make this, this incredibly interactive experience where you're not just sitting on a coaster and going through, through and seeing some kind of janky robotics and things like that. Like I'm just amazed from like both a marketing standpoint and from a production standpoint of how cool all of this is. So as a star Wars fan, I cannot wait to do this galaxy's edge stuff. And I know that it'll be impossible to pretty much get into any of this stuff and it'll be, uh, or at least for the first couple of years. I mean, even then I think this is going to be incredibly popular for years and years and years. Like we're only starting to see now. Like I remember when, um, Hogwarts and the Harry Potter land opened at Universal Studios and um, going when that was very new and you'd have to wait hours and hours to get on that Hogwarts ride and it would be so packed and now we're 10 years removed from that and it's finally 
kind of slowing down a bit. Like you could, when Nevis and I went and it was in May or something like that. So it wasn't like peak season, but it was still great weather and, 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 and still quite busy, but we were able to get on a lot of the Harry Potter stuff fairly quickly, even without fast passes and things like that. Um, Disney does have a good system at their theme parks with the fast passes where you can kind of reserve them for free. And then you don't have to wait in line as long. You get a reservation and it says, come back at this time and you go in a separate lineup and you can get on earlier to kind of, uh, convince people to not just stand in lines for so long and kind of spread out your time around the park and make right. your time elitism more at its finest no but this isn't i think it's better than elitism because at universal it is elitism yes. because you pay yeah. for it yeah you pay a hundred extra dollars and you can walk to the front of the line mostly yeah. on things right for the universal where, guided tour that has a fast and furious sequence where i yeah <laughs> where i'm uh, the Universal Orlando doesn't have that. They do have no, a Fast and no, Furious No, but in ride LA now. they do. Yeah. And and it's spectacular. They have a Fast and Furious ride now in Orlando that I just missed out on was opening right after I left. But back to Disney, I think I'm surprised they they might do this now, but like I'm surprised you they don't have a paid version cuz that sounds like something that they would have. Right. But it is keeping it where you can reserve in your app or go to the kiosks at the ride and do a fast pass for free. It's just trying to, I think, alleviate some of the congestion on a lot of these rides and, and, and making it more worthwhile for you. And Nevis and I had a great uh, experience because I I'm I'm pretty technologically sound when it comes to this stuff I'm always on top of what's new You're an early adopter it. yeah I'm a nerd yeah. and an early adopter and like so we had a good system with the fast passes where you get three per day if you're going to Disney uh, Disney World yeah but if you use all three you can start to reserve more if they're available so we would try to use as three as quickly as possible and we would keep checking the app and getting fast passes and we would just get fast passes to basically anything we wanted unless it was like the most popular rides so for the avatar land we um we actually had to wait in line but we got there as the park opened at like 8 a.m and ran to the avatar land and only had to wait four hours instead of eight hours um for the avatar ride which was incredible so um seeing what they do with like that avatar ride i did i explained it to you once where you're kind of lying on your stomach and they lock you in and it seems like you're flying on the back of that weird dragon thing in avatar um and it was just it was such a visceral experience so i could only imagine what they're doing where it's like you're sitting in the millennium falcon and you're shooting you're either control piloting the millennium falcon or you're on the the uh, you're shooting different fighters who are attacking you and things like that and just the experience of living in somewhere in star wars and like um i want to become watto yeah i hope there is like a watto thing somewhere at like one of like i hope there's a uh what do they call you just like become a, a busker yeah and like <laughs> at the different shops and the outposts and things like that so this is called you're at a black spire outpost on batu is the planet that you're on in this galaxy's edge theme park and um yeah, there'll be two major rides which i mentioned which is the millennium falcon smugglers run and star wars rise of the resistance um, there's a bunch of restaurants. We can have that blue milk, baby. Can't oh, wait yeah. to try it. Uh, as well as a bunch of different and drink it uh, like Mark Hamill food. Yeah, Blah. <laughs> just let it drip uh, into your beard. Yeah, uh, there'll be a cantina where you can actually uh, have some alcoholic beverages. Uh, there's going to be a couple stores where you can build your own uh, droid, like you know the BB-8 droid yeah, that yeah. we bought from Sphero. I'm sure it'll be similar to that, probably not as elaborate, but you can build your own droid. There's going to be a lightsaber workshop that you can line up and do where um 
They said each experience takes about 20 minutes and you build your own custom lightsaber and you pick out the kyber crystal and you pick out the the handle and um, basically what crystal you pick out picks what color your lightsaber will be and you can get like your own custom lightsaber. That sounds so fucking nerdy and for children, but I want that so badly. Right. And, well, the uh, only person that's really experienced that right now is Samuel Jackson. Yeah, right? exactly. The Like the pink one and like you, if you can just do crazy things like that and um and also yeah. if you go to uh the restrooms you can use the same kind of uh toilet paper that dengar uses <laughs> to wrap his head <laughs> to wrap his body yeah <laughs> uh but yeah there'll be uh they said there will be a milk stand where you can buy blue milk and green milk um because the green milk was in last jedi which was the milk uh and then blue milk's obviously from a new hope yeah um god i just want to hang out with bib fortuna or something Right. I can't wait, man. Like, imagine how cool the cantina is going to be with probably a live band or maybe it'll be an animatronic band playing like a similar loop. They have John Williams did the score for the park. So as you're walking around, it's an original score by John Williams. Um, And just I've heard it's like from the press release and you guys can check out this news online from multiple websites who reported on it. But it's just supposed to be incredibly interactive and um, and you can even use your Disney app on your phone to kind of interact with different things and solve different puzzles and challenges that are listed around the park to either help the resistance or um, help the uh, the first order as well so you can kind of choose your side if you want to be dark side or light side and kind of I think play around with that and people might interact with you in different ways if they scan your app and maybe there's stormtroopers walking around and maybe they'll treat you in a different way and things like that like there's tons of details in this and as a Star Wars fan um, this is something that I've always wanted and even though I'm a 30 year old man like and I'm sure a lot of people who are interested in this are 30 to 40 year old well i mean even older than that i'm sure there are there are people like our parents age that grew up on the original films that enjoyed it. so i can only imagine going there and one thing i love about disney world that i'll give them credit and i know it's we it is like it's it's a little ridiculous but i just loved even looking around and seeing how happy the families were when i was there and you can tell this was like a vacation they probably saved up for for a really long time and they went with their young kids or or whatever and it was like you no one i mean you get those crazy you get it's stressful to some people vacationing and stuff like that you get the families that are on edge and things like that but for the most part you get just happy like the biggest smiles on the faces of these kids as they're seeing these characters around and the parents with their kids sharing that experience with them and i really believe that uh disney world and disney i've never been to disneyland in california but um disney world is one of the most special places i've ever been and i think as you guys can probably hear from this podcast you know i'm a big fan of star wars and marvel and all that stuff so even though it's Disney is slowly taking over Hollywood, which not is not necessarily a a great thing. You don't want a monopoly and like uh, one company that kind of owns everything. But right. I I do think they do a great job. F- f- everything from their movie making to their theme parks, and um, uh, I just can't wait to check this out. And like I've been meaning to try and plan a vacation this Christmas for my family to go even though i know it'll be crazy um i'll probably postpone that to maybe next year hopefully because i think this year we have some other plans that we might talk about soon uh on this show uh that might 
you know what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah, no, uh, not for this, but uh, right, a completely right. different thing. But that might uh, be my one big vacation this year. I was so saying something else for a second. I was like, wait, no. is he not to, what, what's going on? No, it's all good. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for this, dude. Sorry, I went on a big Disney No, that's, thing, that's but... good. I mean, that's cool, man. And and yeah, I, I, I would be excited to, to check it out down the line as well. I just don't like crowds. That's my, that's my one thing. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, neither do I, but I, I was telling Nevis this when we went a couple years ago because she knows that I, I, I fucking hate crowds too. But there's something about when you... You know me, you've you've done TIFF with me before and you've gone to New York with me and, and different things like that. Like I'm I'm usually pretty laid back and I'm I don't like planning things, but when it comes to things like that, I'm very meticulous in like right. to the the exact thing I wanna do. And um if you plan it really well and you can kind of get around and know which ones you want to do your fast pass or which park you're doing that day, and it does get busy, but it's so gigantic at these parks that I think they have crowd control down really, really well to the point where I don't feel overwhelmed. Like there are a bazillion people, but Disney World in Orlando is its own city, basically, right? Like it has its own highways and it has its like, it's crazy big. So imagine how big each one of these parks are and the amount of people. And even though there's tons of people, like I never felt like claustrophobic or anything, right? Because that's what I don't like. Or you like having to like kind of move your way through people where you can barely move around. Like... I didn't get much of that. I mean, it is still incredibly busy, but, um, and I never really got annoyed with people cause everyone's mostly in a good mood. Like at least from my experience, right. I'm sure there are other people who are crazy people who are fighting people to get into the front of a lineup or something like that. But I didn't really have that experience. So, um, I'm so excited for this. I just know it'll be impossible to basically get into anything. Cause yeah, when we went to the avatar land, it was the first week it opened. Um, and there was that one ride and they're like oh you guys got in like fairly quickly and we waited a couple hours to get in because we went there right as opening because they're like some people will wait eight or nine hours like the whole day for that one ride (laughs) because it was because it was because it was brand new right? right and it was just like it was crazy man so like we only had to wait a couple hours for that which was um the longest we waited in any line because if you do it well and you do the fast pass stuff like you can plan your day and you never really have to wait in that many lines because you use your fast pass for the busiest rides and then you go line up for the ones that aren't so busy, right? So, um, yeah, I, lo- I love Disney World. <laughs> right. Just, I, I just want to go right now, but we'll see. Um, all right, man. That wraps up this episode. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining me, as always. Uh, you're always welcome here, you know. Are you talking to me or are you talking to the audience? <laughs> the audience or you. I don't know. You know, I'm getting a little loopy right now. But uh, thank you all for listening. Um, Eric and I really, really appreciate this. Thank you for all the kind words uh, each and every week. I was really, I was really, really happy to be back last week after the month hiatus. And I know it'll take us a little bit of – I feel like I'm fumbling through the intros and the outros, but I just – We'll get back on it. it. We'll get back on our game. And, yeah. you know, like it's just fun to kind of – get back into it yeah so uh this has been the 22nd draft of the untitled movie podcast uh 
as I mentioned before, if you like this, we do another podcast called uh, Untitled Movie Reviews, where we review uh, new release films or upcoming films or things that are on streaming services. Uh, we have reviews right now for Captain Marvel and Triple Frontier. So make sure you go over to uh, po- your favorite podcast service, subscribe to that as well, and give us a, uh, a review and, and share it with your friends there. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, tons and tons of hopefully uh, movie news because there wasn't much this week. No. Um, but as always, my name is Matt Roback. You can find more of my work at cineplex.com and at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can find me on all of the social medias at Matt Rorabek. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can also find my work at the untitledmoviepodcast.com uh, uh, This uh, podcast as we do each and every week and we appreciate everybody uh, listening and taking the time to uh, you know, hear us babble on. Uh, also, uh, you can find my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, letterbox at EM6211. And until next time, uh, Brightburn? Uh, burn, burn bright? Burn bright, baby. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>